0: listening to the British Baseball Podcast. Hello baseball family, Matthew here with another episode of the British Baseball Podcast and joining me today live for whenever I was recording this is Mr. Vince Warner. Vince, how are we?
1: Very good, thank
0: you. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on and share some stories with us. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are very eager to hear what you have to say. Why don't you tell us a bit about your your home life and family life and, and unfortunately how you discovered and came across baseball? Well,
1: basically I was born into baseball. So my dad was playing before I was born and it was one of those things, all the the kids got taken to baseball and the family, it was a very family orientated sort of game. It's, it's changed over a lot over the years. Uh, all the wives used to be there; they were scoring and all this that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I've got pictures of me when I was one year old in a baseball uniform, and you know, look back on that
0: and think, well, I think I, think I was destined to play. That's really good. So, which which club was it then that, that your dad started off at? Uh, well, my dad started playing
1: for Esso. There was quite a few teams around in the thorough area. Um, because obviously Esso was an American club. Then he moved to Thames Board Mills. Now, Thames Board Mills was actually owned by American Company, and they started up in this really lovely ground. Um, he stayed there for, well, till we got kicked out, basically. Unfortunately, Thames Board Mills was taken over by uh, Fibergate, and they deemed that baseball, albeit it had been there for like 20, 15, 20 years, or whatever it was, was not their sport. They were interested in rugby, cricket, football, and it didn't pay enough money. It took up too much room on the ground as well. What a shame. Yeah, it is. I passed the ground not that long ago because uh goes to um wildlife place at Raymond, and it just looks like a site. It's literally full of horses, and it, the grass is just waist high, and it's such a shame to see such a lovely complex, and the building was good, just gone into disrepair.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I was trying to do a piece based on the, the the amateur world cup, and I was in Hull for a game, and I thought I'll do some footage around where the old ground was, where they played, and that's now a supermarket. Mm-hmm. And I find it really eerie in a way where you can sort of walk across this car park, nearly get hit by a by a Mazda, and that was where the pitching mound was, type of thing. It's yeah, it's just very, very strange when you see yeah, something goodness. that like of historical importance to a sport that not a lot of people even know about. And it's like, do you even yeah, know true. where you are or what you stood on? That I think? Yeah. It's very curious. So how old were you then? Uh, you said you are one, which team was it that you dad played for when you were one year old? That was 10 sport Mills. That was 10 sport. What are your earliest mem- earliest memories around that sort of, well, your earliest memories of uh, baseball really?
1: I, I think for me, um, was probably when I rebelled. I didn't really take too much notice of baseball, although I was going there and uh, involved in it. But at about 11, I decided yeah, I didn't want to play. Dad was taking me and forcing me to go. And that kind of set the seed of like, well, I don't like baseball. And then got to 13, I thought, do you know what? I've been throwing, I've been practicing, uh, I just want to play now. Never looked back,
0: basically. How weird was it then, like knowing that your dad was national team manager? and his history. Did you ever feel like you you had to play baseball or did you want to play? I know you said you rebelled then, but...
1: Yeah, I think that was the reason. I think because my dad was quite a strong, forceful man, basically. He didn't take no for an answer, didn't like things that didn't go his way. So for him that was forcing me to play effectively, that's why, you know, as a a kid, not knowing, I just uh, didn't want to. And... You watch baseball and you go, it's a great sport. You know, I can't, it, you can't turn it down. So mm. I just wanted to play after that. And I, you know, I loved it literally. As soon as I got out in the field, the first game, the thrill of it, it was just amazing. Uh, started off in the outfield, but it wasn't long before people realized that I had an arm. So I, I kind of started to pitch a little bit. And then after that,
0: I caught. Which was my favourite position, which I've always loved. What did your mates at school think then of you playing baseball? Was it like my, my son started training with Manchester? And uh, he he also has one of these lovely Essex Redbacks tops that were pro- politely provided to us by Phil, Phil Karras. He sent me in the little boy one and he trains in that and delivered because he thinks he's Spider Man. The school that he goes to is very football orientated. I think a lot of schools are the same. Summer sports don't get a look in. Did you encounter that sort of thing as well? Did did people so I think it was odd that he played baseball or no, not really. It's a
1: difficult one because at school I kind of kept baseball separate. When I was at school, I was quite high up in hockey. I loved hockey, yeah, um, and it was also because it was a winter sport. So obviously, I could play hockey in the winter, baseball in the summer, and the sport was taken over in school was hockey. Didn't really speak about much about baseball. And I also did javelin as well. And I played hockey till I was 19. Unfortunately, work got in the way of hockey because of the league. Uh, I used to work every Saturday and adult was every Saturday. So yeah, I had to give it up. What a shame. I yeah. love hockey.
0: It's one of my favourite things yeah. to, to watch. I love it when it comes around on the Olympics as well.
1: Well, I was left back. So basically, I used to take 16-yard hit and as soon as I hit the ball, people just never got near it. They just went like, okay, we'll, we'll say at the other halfway line when you're going to hit this. So <laughs> it's quite good. The baseball came in very, very handy.
0: Yeah, that's great. Oh, I feel like I could do an entire different podcast if you're talking about here. hockey, but let's give the people what they want and, and talk about okay. baseball. So you started playing back in 1974. What was the yeah. baseball scene in Britain like back back then?
1: It was pretty good, actually. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of good, good standard ball about, yeah. US Navy and stuff were around. The thames Mills team had quite a, an American influence because we used to get t- uh, players down from Alkenbury and Lakenheath. It had a good mix of English and American, which was quite nice. And their standard was pretty good. So it kind of helped with the English guys. Uh, obviously, starting at 13, there was no youth baseball ever. So basically, it was all the, the sons of the fathers that played. And my dad being my dad he didn't put me in just because it was dad. He, I had to earn a position. So it was quite a tough, tough ask. But, you know, obviously I've got reasonable skills and that's how it ended up. So.
0: That's interesting, that, because I know there's been a lot said about youth baseball within club environments as well. Do you think then that kids being thrown in a deep end at that age helped to shape them as players? Or do you think having a youth setup is is definitely the way to go?
1: Well, I think both, actually. I think as a, as a young, young lad, you had to grow up quick. You were put in a big environment with big guys all through really hard. So you had to literally pick it up. I think you've got to have youth. You've got to have a youth structure now. We need more youth players. That's that's it, basically. You've got to have youth. Otherwise, we're just going to struggle. Um, and we're lucky with the Redbacks. And Sean Briscombe, obviously, you know he's doing an amazing job just keeping youth coming along
0: we get new literally new players every week now so hopefully it's going to keep growing that's fantastic it's great to see that it's still growing what what are some of your favorite on-field and off-field memories from your time playing domestic baseball
1: oh god there's loads absolutely loads you talk about highlights what i've done (laughs) there's a couple of things really obviously the first time playing for gb so are you go on stand on the field and the first time you hear the national anthem it's like jesus you know you just can't believe how that emotion hits you representing your country and just standing there listening to a national anthem and obviously the first the first game i played uh, which was quite interesting so we were playing holland first game in the 1982 and basically we were like 14 runs down within about three innings and it was just ridiculous. The guys were just hitting home run after home run. So the manager at the time went, Vince, can you go and relief pitch? Now, I was due to pitch full game next day. So I was like, really? What's, you know, what's the point? So he said, well, we've got to try and save face effectively. So I went, right, OK. So I go out there on the mound and I'm like, I ain't going to throw fastballs. They're just hitting everything that go, you know, comes down the middle out the park. So I threw nothing but junk, and they hit every single ball, left field and center field, and got caught. Really? That's basically, they just constantly hit, constantly. Every ball was out in the outfield. And shut them out for three innings. <laughs> it was happy days. But I put so much effort into that particular game that the next day, I couldn't play. My arm was like pretty tired. So, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one, to be fair. Well, great day. Then, yeah, it was. And you were saying about my dad when he when he played, mid, he pitched and I called. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the end of the tournament, we'd run out of pitches. My dad had turned up later in the in the during the tournament. He couldn't make the, the first start, and he was there as a coaching capacity because you know he's, he's getting on a bit. He's, he's 9.82. He's born in 27, so you know he's he's getting on. They put him into pitch. So I was like, "No, right, okay, I'll catch as well." And that's how it come around. Which is quite—it's quite nice. They were father and son, you know, in the in JB's pitchers and catchers.
0: So, did you used to play much together at home?
1: Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, I caught him quite a lot because obviously he had good control and he had good jump. He was never an overpowering catcher, but he could spot the ball in good places and just throw—literally just spinning stuff—and. It worked really well, so
0: that's good. So, did you ever get the chance to catch him when you were just playing catch, or was it always uh, oh, you pitching?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I never. I pitched to him effectively at practice, and we had a fairly large front car, so we used to throw out there, try to avoid missing him and not hitting my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which yeah, I am a little wild, as people really know. Yeah, so that's basically it. But he never, I mean, he was was never a proper catcher or anything, so...
0: That's good. So you you played for GB for seven years. Can you tell us some of your favourite tournament memories, some notable victories or or almost victories?
1: Yes. Uh, So 1981 was the tryout year, and we had quite a few games. That was quite an interesting My first game, I thought I'd blew it because I was going home from third base, and I actually took the catcher out. Proper, good and proper. Two feet, in the leg, took him out, and obviously there was a bit of uproar, but uh, I was safe. And I thought, oh, well, I've blown that, and I got chosen, so I was quite happy, really. Obviously, you know about 982. It was an interesting year. don't remember huge amounts about it, because I, obviously I remember the first game, but the other, basically, parts, me and my dad, that's it. 84, that was in Hull. And that was uh, in the cricket ground. So that was quite interesting. We all come out. We're all standing there, going national anthem, thing. and they said, oh, BBC, local BBC TV, are going to be there to, to film you? So, okay. So they went down, down the line and got the big cameras and stuff. The video recorders had been invented by then. <laughs> and one of my mates, uh, Mark Clayson, who uh, did actually play for GB eventually, he said... Oh, he said, "I see you on TV the other day," and I'm like, "Oh, I'm what? No recording, no nothing." So, and we all got we all went out on a, one of the nights to a disco, Romeo and Juliet. So two discos in one. And as we were all walking to the to this club, we all had our baseball jackets on. And the amount of people that wanted to talk to us and just sort of say, "Oh my God, you know, you're playing for the GB locally," and this that was cool. And I suppose my best tournament was '86. Obviously, hit home run against France, and I think that was the only run in the game. Germany, uh, I was the only runner to get on base, which was well, obviously breaking up that sort of scenario, and got MVP. So because I pitched Anko on that
0: as well, which was quite nice. In that game against France in the '86 European Championships, you actually voted the uh, the team's MVP. So That must have been yeah. quite quite an honour for you. It was. It was definitely,
1: I didn't expect it. You know, we had some good players in there. And after the tournament, we were also in the hotel and the manager just got everyone together and basically said, we we're just giving this trophy to Vince for MVP. I was like, wow, you know. So yeah, the the sad thing is, I never got invited back to play for GB. <laughs> Go out on a well hat. Yeah, one of those things... You know, obviously we didn't have internet or anything like that. So whether I missed phone calls, I didn't get any letters and I didn't think anything of it. Maybe there was a little bit about political. Um, we had the breakaway leagues and stuff like that. So maybe upset a few people. So yeah, didn't didn't ever play again. And later on in life I stopped playing for about 12 years. That was it, all gone. But I had my time, I had my fun, so I'm not bitter about it.
0: How did you feel though at the time though when when you just stop when the the GB stuff stopped, stopped happening? Did you think it was a personal oh, thing? Did... Yeah,
1: I did, and I just thought it was uh, it was weird to be made MVP and then never get invited back, which is like, well, what's that all about? But I say I had other things to do anyway, and it's one of those things, you know, yeah. miscommunication maybe.
0: How did you feel then when you sort of knew that your time was coming to a close playing at domestic level? Was that a hard decision to make? Or do do you wish you'd done anything? You said you had no regrets, but do do you wish that you'd maybe stayed around a bit longer or or maybe drawn line a bit early?
1: Yeah, I think I did Um, at the time. You know, it would have been nice to have kept going for a few more years at that sort of level. But it's just one of those things, you know, it happened. I couldn't do anything about it. I had my time playing other, you know, with other teams and stuff, so plenty to do to
0: be fair. And marriage, life, and all that malarkey come along. So, yeah, what are some of your favorite off field memories around the GB setup? Now, every time I ask this question with anyone that's been involved in GB, it all tends to be, Oh, I can't tell you this story, I can't tell you that story. But surely, from your seven years in a program, you must have a decent (laughs) story for me off field.
1: Did we can broadcast, Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, I think the, the funniest one was when we was in Antwerp, 982, we were told, you can't go out, you can't do this, you can't do that. And we all snuck out and went to a club and come back at 2am.
0: Who yeah. was the manager then? Uh, Ron Marshall. How did he take that news? I don't think he ever found out, to be fair. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> There was a lot of us that didn't look very well and the next morning, I must admit. So the next question is what are your expert tips on sneaking out for a night out when you're not supposed to be? No, actually, don't answer that question as kids that listen. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should move on. So when we had our, our conversation when we we're setting up this meeting, you mentioned something about the Southern All-Star team. What what is that and and and, and what was involved and how was that tournament? Uh, could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah,
1: I mean, Southern All-Stars was just a literally a pick uh, of about 12 players, I think it was. Everybody had a sort of an input as to who they wanted to go and play, hence being the All-Stars. And I think they were basically from all different teams, you know, literally one. I think there was one team which had the two Japanese guys, Iso and Oda, great names. Uh, One of them was a a sidearm pitcher, and he was, like, just amazing. He was lights out. I think it only was, like, one year, one season.
0: Hmm. Um, and we just played different teams from around the country. It's quite good. All oh, right, so it wasn't like North versus that it was just like a uh, like a yeah. super team of the of the Southern League. And oh, cool. Yeah. So what what the players are involved in that? Then can you give us any names?
1: Uh, Rick Sime. I think Marty Dewar. Uh, God has come bringing back some memories. Uh, yeah, might have been Donald Donald. Yeah, that's about it. was all I can remember. There's a, there's a few, but
0: it sounds like a really fun thing. I'd love to see an all star. Um, competition, Or even if it's just like BBF versus BBN and have like 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 the Battle of Britain that they do every yeah. year. But sort of have like a, an all-star from, from Scotland and then you could have Ireland and Wales or or just all the different leagues. I, I don't know how it worked out, but I think an all-star team where you've got the, the best players from certain areas would be really good in like a round-robin sort of tournament over a weekend. Yeah, it would be, yeah. Yeah, it could be good fun. Uh You won... The national championship in 1984 with the Croydon Blue Jays. Now the Blue yeah. Jays are no longer around. Um, so, what what can you tell us about that team and and the history behind it, and also that tournament?
1: Because of obviously, Dad, um, he was friends with so many people. Uh, we basically uh, split. Well, Thames Board Mills had broken up, but we tried moving uh, the actual team to Raynham, um, and it lasted about. A year or two years, um, and then we were thinking about going to Basildon, which is where Steve Simmons and George Simmons were,
0: yeah, yeah. And I
1: think we went, we had a quick look over there, and then I think he was just invited to go and play for the Blue Jays. I mean, considering how far it was from where we lived in Essex, uh, we still went to training, which, which was pretty cool. Obviously, um, dad used to take us uh, down there, and we used to manage to get some, some reps in and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the team was really good. It was just full of different nationalities and, you know, everyone was pretty good. The final uh, against Hull was at uh, the Arrows Ground. It was the first year the Arrows Ground had been built, ironically. Yeah, they caught Hull game and there's quite a lot of write-ups about it and how how exciting was at the very end, you know, uh, Johnny Harrington hitting the ball and basically getting a couple of runs in and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was very good. I've got some pictures, nice pictures
0: of me holding a cup and sword, which God knows where that went. Oh, yeah, I've seen that sword, and I'd love to know yeah. where that is. I was chatting with, I yeah. think it was Matt, who does the Angels in the UK podcast and, uh, and the Twitter account, and we were just chatting about this. this it is, it's like a, a, like a sabre, and it's huge. It's big. It's yeah, Someone's it big. got to the off somewhere. They must have. Yeah, definitely somewhere. But no, I, I
1: don't know where that went, but... It's quite good if that to win a national championship is you know, it's the ultimate isn't it you know yeah but we had some really really good games as well yeah so if- one one thing that um happened which kind of personifies what my dad was like was we were playing up north in a, I was just, I think it was a final semi-final and Johnny Hampton was at bat I was sitting on the bench uh, we had because we had a couple of catches. So Harron was on the bench. I'm oh, sorry, I was on the bench, and Johnny Harron comes up to bat. Now he pops it up to first base. So Johnny trots, literally, just saunters down. Guy catches the ball. So as John turns to come back to the bench, my old manager said, John, you're benched. And he's like, well, he said, you hustle it out. You have, have to hustle it out. Said, so if he drops the ball, you'd be on base, wouldn't you? So he put me in. He said, Right, Vince, and he goes left field because that's where Johnny was. So next inning, I'm standing out of left field, Okay, so this is cool. And I get a shoestring. I'm literally running like out of hell <laughs> towards third base, dive, catch the ball. So as we all trot back in, my old man went, And that's why he's out there. And it it's kind of taught me that you have to play. You have to play hard no matter what. Yeah. yeah there's a great Dad picture was, Dad it. was
0: like that. Yeah. There's a great picture of it on the Project Cobb website. Um, which is why I'd be keen to get a bit more information about the game because there's, there's not there's there's no box score for it or or many details about the contest, just that you, you end up winning 10-9. Mm. It must have been a, a thrilling, thrilling game though, with a comeback like that. I mean you, you ended up yeah. this, this, I think you lost one game all season, one nine, lost one. Yeah, right at the very end. I mean,
1: that's, that's what you won, isn't it? They, they said it's one of the
0: best sort of finals ever. You, you rode all the way through to it. You, you, won the, you won the division, and then in the playoffs, beating the South Glade Hornets 12-1, and then mm. that that final there against the Hull Mets. Were you, yeah. were you the underdogs or were your favourites going into that game? Because I know that Hull was like a hotbed of baseball back, back then. Yeah, they
1: were good. Yeah, they were good. I think it was a 50-50, to be fair. You know, we, we'd we had games against them previously. We we knew they were really
0: good. Uh, so, yeah, they were, they were, I don't think we were favourite. Who Who's some of the players that, that you remember from that game? There's, yeah, Darren Ward. Um, Phil Lang. I want to know the, yeah, Norman. Phil Lang.
1: Norman yeah uh, uh, Donald Donald and it would have been Kevin Sylvester yeah uh, he was a character uh, yeah. but he pitched really well so it was quite
0: cool and oh, Ross Ross Phil. 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 yeah 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 it's quite a few awesome you also played in the the Masons night league how'd you play baseball yeah, Mattisons sorry yeah Mattisons yeah.
1: that's yeah. right well, basically, we had lots of hot dogs free. That was good. Hmm. <laughs> so free, they it? decided that a night league would be good for PR and stuff. So basically, yeah. it was just a few teams cobbled together again. Uh, and sponsored it, and they hired rugby grounds, football grounds, basically, to play in them. Put temporary nets up with, and just made it a showcase, really. Um, so I played at the Wasps Wasps ground, I think it was. Uh, I can't remember any of the others. Vague. It's quite a long time ago.
0: Yeah.
1: The wasp. The wasps one. Um, I was playing left field, and a ball was hit literally because it was the length of the rugby field, and I, I I called it on the run, and got a guy out from third base, going home, and like there was about two thousand people there, and there was obviously lots of shouts and screams. Like what? What an amazing throw! And I don't even remember throwing it. It's one of those. Perfect throws, like a home run. You can't yeah. feel the home run. You yeah. just hit it and it's gone. Yeah, just literally launched it, prayed. went <laughs>
0: <All laughs> out, out up, up above the lights, sort of thing, back down again and got him perfectly. So, yeah. Wow, oh, 2,000 people. What When? What year was that? What What era was it?
1: Oh, honestly, again, I can't remember dates like that. I'm not Steve Simmons. He remembers every pitch.
0: Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll have to tap into him again. With, with all these different seasons that you played in, <clears throat> across the country which, which have been some of your favourite grounds to play hmm.
1: yeah that is a good question I think Tim's ball was always has a uh, place in my heart because the ground itself was so good the, the groundsmen everything was perfect grass was always cut nice had a decent mound that never seemed to work, have any work done to it Farnham, obviously you know i played there once now it's pretty good Rose Hill with Croydon very up and down but it had a had a unique feel to it. So, yeah,
0: there's
1: a few. Oh, Chelsea football ground.
0: You played at Chelsea?
1: Yes, that was against the United States Navy. I played (laughs) one inning. I did. Well, And there were 6,000 people there. So that was, like, quite cool. But I sat on the bench for ages and I got an inning, and, um, yeah, I wasn't best pleased about that. So that wasn't, you know, that, again, was just a showcase thing. So
0: yeah. So what what was it then that that do you think attracted so many people to watch back then? Like you're getting crowds center of 6, London, 000, 2,000. Yeah, it was
1: centre of London, and that was advertised well as well. So, uh, you know, it was it was cheap to get in. I think um, it was very very good to see that amount of people there. Wish we could oh. get more of it. Yeah, yeah. But it's, then, it's... I think obviously a like lot with the advent of MLB coming over. Yeah, you get more and more people interested in baseball now and finding out that it's baseball. But I think if you had some kind of big showcasing, because, you know, United States Navy, man, it's a good players. Obviously, they had a pool of Americans that could play baseball really well uh, against GB. Um, and if you advertise it, people will come and watch it.
0: What was it like playing in front of those type of crowds? Because I, I clearly speak from experience, like, up in Manchester, we don't get that many crowds. I know it's different, different area and different times, but I, I, it's not one of the things where I, when I set out playing, I, I never thought, do you know what? I want to play baseball in front of 50 people, 200 people, 1,000 people. Like, but, but for you to be playing at that sort of level, I mean, you, you must have had like big crowds coming to watch at GB in the tournaments, but like 6,000 people, mm. it it just seems like such a, a, a fantastic... It's a large amount.
1: Yeah, it's weird because you get out on the field and you kind of forget. You just because of concentrating on the actual game, you just don't realise that they're there. Which is good, obviously, because you don't want to be dwelling on the fact that you've got that many people watching what you're doing. Going back to GB and he was asking about sort of what uh, my sort of good moments. There's mm-hmm. one particular one that I forgot. This was between the tournaments, I think it was about E3 and we, it was GB versus the United States Air Force. Yeah. It was a rugby football ground, and I hit one out of the ground. Grand, not Grand Slam, I think it was free base, but I hit it out of the park. It,
0: fortunately, left field was the short field. <laughs> <laughs> did, it say like, um, did did it end again hit, like hitting a car or something outside, or did you ever get the ball back? No,
1: no. No idea where it went. I hit one to centre field as well, and it was literally
0: obviously corner to corner, uh, yeah. and only got to third base on it, which was annoying. How weird was it then playing like baseball on a football pitch? Like, how did they work out logistically with the dimensions?
1: Yeah, it's awkward. I mean, obviously, like when we played the the rugby, at the rugby ground, they did it the right way, and uh, so left field was the deepest and right field was short, and uh, there wasn't many left field, left, left hitters, so. Uh, it worked out all right but the rugby foot ground they did it the opposite way and left field is obviously quite short they had the had stands um, but, but basically it was probably only about 300 foot if that to where the, the, the seats were
0: yeah,
1: yeah it interesting. was interesting yeah obviously they just put temporary nets up and stuff so yeah. it wasn't particularly very professional looking but again you know it was practice for GP squad and it was yeah. different to have you know People come along
0: and watch. That's cool. Do you uh, do you have any mementos from your time playing? Did you ever collect like balls or um, have particular like bats or something framed from like like that France tournament? Have you got have you got have you still got the bat or, or are, you, are you not that sentimental? when It comes down to you.
1: No, not really. I've got because um, obviously with Paris we be, we came third place, so we've got a, a lovely bronze uh, medal which is quite nice size. So that's that's still out there in the loft um the only thing i've really got that i've kept is a baseball which is signed by the gb squad probably from about 1960s something uh which my dad kept and it was in one of them globe things to keep it all cold it's faded a bit and got a bit bit knackered really but it's still there and i've that's got the amazing. original poster as well uh from belgium when they don't play for gb and that's all signed as well
0: i that's think it's really cool
1: I think that's on the Project
0: Cobb website, the picture of that yeah. uh, poster. I'll have to root it out and maybe try yeah. and pop it up onto the video. So, if you're watching this on YouTube and you saw a poster appear where Vince was talking, it means that I found it and it worked. And I'm really good at doing yeah. what I do. <laughs> if not, bell next Be this you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now, we've been chatting recently, and I'm saying this lovely, Essex Redbacks top. Uh, you mentioned that the two teams have now merged, the Essex Arrows and the Essex Redbacks. Uh, what yes. can you tell us about the merger and how how that's come about? Well, we've been friends with the Arrows for a really long time.
1: Uh, we've had players come and go, you know, go to the Arrows, come back, etc. Uh, And we've had a very good relationship with them for a very long time. We're good friends. They've been out to Holland with me a few times as well. Mm. Um It's been on the cards for a few years. We've been kind of batting the idea about, um, and we decided that it's going to be an advantage for us to be able to have some players move up and down. Um, One of the problems we've kind of had is having a single A and a triple A team. The single A guys either don't want to jump up too far a level or they're quite happy in their team because they've got teammates and stuff. Um, so when we've had a weaker AAA, as in like less players, we've struggled to get anybody to come up and play for us because yeah. they're too, they just don't want to come up. So basically, um, their NBL side have also got a glut of players uh, and they possibly wanted to come down. Plus they had some AA and their AA was getting a little bit weak because they had less, lack of players. So we've combined to make, effectively, five good teams and possibly six now. So we're getting mid-40s training at the moment, and I know there's quite a few players that still can't make it. So we're hoping to get six teams. You know, that's amazing. So we are joining the, the likes of Hearts, which has obviously got quite a lot of teams, and obviously London. That's really cool. Announced, they've got nine teams apparently.
0: Crikey.
1: So it's, it's good. Well, also we think that we should have a, a bigger chance of getting more sponsorship because we are so big. Yeah. It all kind of ties in, doesn't it? You know, it's a bigger organisation. You're, you're going to
0: attract more attention. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah. it's, is it? Are you still classes two separate teams, and like the arrows playing out of... Well, knows
1: no, so well. It is and it isn't. So, we've obviously got the arrows are going to be playing out or from, from Abbey. Yeah. Triple um, A will split its home time. So, we'll have some at Melbourne Park, but we'll also have some at Wolfham Abbey. And the same with Double A, they are going to split between it as well. So, because obviously you've got guys that are at Wolfham Abbey, they don't want to have a home game every time that they barley lands or chelmsford. Yeah. So, we've kind of said what we will do is work it out so we can just basically move where we want to. Um, and obviously, if you've got scheduling issues, we've got more choice
0: of grounds. So we've yeah. got three, three grounds now, so. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's going to work book. out pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned Holland a few times. Now, you, you play a regular tournament over in Holland. You have done for 30 years. Why is this such an important thing for you today?
1: I think it's the friendships that you make. Um, additionally the first because I went to the first meet tournament which is the missing ear European tournament uh, reasons called that is because it's held in Noonan. now Noonan was the home of Vincent Bangor for a, a little while so uh, that was a tie in on that um, uh, the first time I went there was with Crawley Giants at the time the second year I went was with Croydon because obviously there's so many players that knew each other and they made uh, basically a team up of different teams. Um, and from then on, uh, once once all that had sort of gone by and I'd been playing for Croydon and going over there with them a few times, um, eventually I started taking my own teams over there. So uh,
0: when, when we had um, the uh, the team at some the Essex
1: Eagles, and then obviously as soon as uh, we got the Redbacks going, it was like let's go and play baseball there. So yeah, it's uh it's such a fun tournament. It's a release. It's not uh it's it's hard. I mean there's some amazing players there. Um but it's fun, you know, there's there's quite a bit of drinking involved and just mm-hmm. enjoying yourself and not taking it too seriously. Yeah. Even think- though some of the Dutch there's a couple of Dutch teams that you, were usually there. Instructors and destructors yeah the instructors were the coaches. Dutch yeah. coaches so obviously you can imagine they were pretty good That these structures were basically all of the high end Dutch national team players. so yeah they're
0: usually one yeah, yeah I can imagine they're, they're not a bad team the Dutch national team are they no pretty <laughs> good yeah I can see the benefits of that as a for, well apart from all the, all the drinking I like, put. Would you recommend that then for other clubs to do, like try and seek out a partnership with, with Dutch teams, with like the the standards of baseball that they've got? How am I trying to say this? Like, would you Would you recommend like te- teams trying to reach out to some of the, the the better leagues and teams in Europe to try and have these sort of tournaments, or maybe like well, grouping Yeah, there together, like, a few
1: already, yeah there's, there's definitely a few already doing that. Uh, Oxford Kings. They go to Turin uh, once a year. And I know the, the Turin guys because they actually come to the meet tournament as well. So it's quite uh, you know, it's almost like a family. Um and the level of baseball there is really good. Uh, the arrows are a bit going to Spain. So they're playing in a really high quality tournament now. I know there's been some teams that have gone to La Rochelle in France.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The the diamond there is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and that was um, that was built by an ex-English guy. He's out there, uh, Julian Dogwell. So he played for GMB. He moved out there, um, started the baseball up, and he's built this amazing little stadium. So. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah so it, there is other teams already doing it. Um, even meat tournament. You know, Bournemouth have been there. Um, the Arrows have been there. So yeah, definitely. Oh, I think. Uh, Irish team went there once as well. Fascinating. I know they kept, I know they kept Robbie up one night because they were in their tent singing to three o'clock in the morning.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um yeah. who are some of the best players you have actually seen play live?
1: I've got a list of people that I always classed as like some of the the top players hmm. that I had a really good rapport with and respect. Um, Marty Dewar, so he was with uh, Crawley. Um, he was just one of those charismatic guys that he could pitch, he could play anywhere. Um, he pitched really well and he caught really well. And we, we had some battles between the pair of us. And the same goes for Cody Kane. He was one of the pitchers that I had a lot of respect for because he was just quick. He... He had so much junk and just scared you at times the way through. Uh, again, exactly the same thing. We had masses of battles. Massa, I can't remember his last name. I never pronounced it. Uh, so he was Oxford Kings, yeah. one of those typical Japanese guys that was full of grace, full of love. Whenever we met, it was always like you met a brother, again, for a, you, know, you haven't seen him for a while. Alan Bloomfield, obviously. I had uh, a lot of respect for him as a, as a younger player. I knew what he was capable of. I obviously see him play quite often when he was playing for Sutton. And everything he did was just good. You know, he was just all-round probably one of the best players in England. Don McDonald, uh, Don McDonald's Canadian. He, he pitched to me when I was catching for Croydon. Again, that he had such velocity, it was just scary. And one last guy, a guy that nobody would ever know of in the UK. So his guy was called Eric Kennis, and he was Belgian, and he played for Thames Ball Bills for two seasons. He's the only person's ever scared me, like warming up, throwing. Yeah. I I've never seen anyone throw as hard as him ever.
0: Right.
1: I, I'm sure it used to be upper 90s, as on, you know, just warming up. And he was a catcher. So when I used to pitch, he was the catcher. And even as a youngster, uh, I could throw pretty hard. I think I was upper 80s. He used to throw it back to me from his knees, of my throat. to him. It, like, was just ridiculous. So my dad said to him one day, he said, I think you should pitch. And he was like, no, no, I can't pitch. So he said, no, no, I said, you, you've got this amazing arm. You, you need to be on, on the mound. So he, he went on the mound and I went catching for him, and it was laughable. He literally couldn't throw it more than 50 miles an hour. I don't know weird. why. He didn't have the mechanics. I have no idea. So we jokingly said, go on your knees, on the plate, on the pitchers plate, <laughs> and, and throw. And he threw it about 90 miles an hour. Oh. Such a weird thing. Yeah, obviously.
0: Yeah. Well yeah. that would have been funny to see.
1: Oh god, yeah. But yeah, he, he was like just ridiculous mate.
0: That's brilliant. So now here comes the hard, the hard question. Who's gonna who would make your Mount Rushmore British baseball people? So four individuals that mean the world to you uh from British baseball and why? Oh
1: god, yeah, that is definitely one to be fair, it has to be probably some of those guys from that list. I mean, if you're talking British guys only, that's, no, just that's not just people oh, from just British baseball. Yeah. Okay, out of those, it would have to be Cody Kane, definitely. Uh, just, just such a nice guy, amazing to play with. Um, you know, he was a good adversary, very courteous, but played the game hard. Yeah, Marty Dewar, just because he was just an all-round nice guy, just could play every position again. I think Alan Bloomfield again, definitely, because of all the bridge players I've ever known, he was one of the best. And Massa, the, because of his camaraderie, whenever I saw him, it was just hugs and respect. Every time he pitched against me, every time I pitched against him, there was all that well, he struck me out. And, and there was not. you know, it was just like, yeah, 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 good. That's so great. yeah, them, them are four.
0: Lovely. Uh, a couple of questions. Last questions for me. Mm. Uh, what, what's of all your time with being involved in British baseball? What's the funniest thing you've ever seen?
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So definitely, without a doubt, I've seen a guy set light to himself.
0: Set Sorry. himself on fire.
1: Yes. So <laughs> it was it was at Mills. Bills, and of course, in the earlier days, a lot of people smoked. And the guy slid into second base with a box of Swamp vests in his back pocket. <laughs> so the guy was running around trying to take his pants off with the flames bursting out the back of his bum. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it was just, uh, you know, you think it's quite dangerous, but we were just sweating ourselves.
0: Crikey. Oh, well, I, I'd say you, you won't, probably won't see that again now, those with, with people vaping. No. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Christ, that's funny. So, the uh, last two now from me. What has baseball given you and what are you grateful uh, to the game for?
1: Obviously, a sense of pride because playing for GB, you know, to, to represent your country is obviously and one of those ultimate things. Keep me fit, if anything. You know, if you don't play sport, you don't keep fit, etc. So, yeah, and, it's, and obviously, I've made a huge amount of friends. It's one of those, it's a big community, really. You know, yeah. Every time you go to Farnham and you see team after team and everybody knows each other, and that's obviously really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm finding that out, like we, like we said before, I hit record, like <laughs> this going from a getting to know people to now a like a historical documentation thing happens so quick because I just realised that I'm the only person who doesn't know anybody in the game and everybody knows everybody.
1: Of course. Well, there's some interesting stuff coming up at Farnham this
0: year. So be, Yeah, you know, yeah. Some tournaments coming up. Yeah. Yes, indeed. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's good, good to to know that that's, that's happening. Mm, definitely, yeah. I think more tournaments, um, the better. Like an FA Cup-style thing would be really interesting. But I suppose it's yeah. just the logistics of getting people to hear that everywhere.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, obviously Croydon. Uh, not Croydon. Uh, yeah, Croydon. They're, they're, uh, i can't remember now they've got london tournament
0: come back again cool mm. exciting so. exciting times
1: it is yeah yeah there's a lot going on and it seems to be this year seems to be a little bit more excitement i don't know why it just seems like the things are happening yeah uh, uh, hopefully the bbf are improving themselves now with all the new guys we've got in in place um, there seems to be a lot of commitment into getting baseball back up and running yeah. and gelling all the, the leagues together as well, which would be nice. You know, we need we need the Northern Leagues to come back to us and all be, be one family again. We can have, you know, inter-area tournaments and
0: North, South, etc. Yeah, you never, know. Yeah,
1: Watch we never know. Watch this space.
0: Watch uh, this space. Finally, last one for me. If you had one wish for British baseball, what would it be?
1: For youth to be in schools, baseball, youth baseball in schools. Yeah. Definitely.
0: How do you think we can go about doing that as a community?
1: (sighs) The more exposure, the better, obviously. The the problem we have in this country, obviously, is the size of the diamond. You know, it shouldn't be so much of a bigger issue with the kids, you know, because it's a smaller diamond. But, you know, having baseball grounds all over the place is just, like, impossible. We struggle, with it is councils, to, to give us space. But, yeah. yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice. And also the problem with the schools is their curriculum, that's it. They're kind of closed off. You know, it's football, it's rugby, it's hockey and cricket. And that's, you know, you get the odd here and there of different sports, but it's rare.
0: I, I I thought they could be interesting to see like a scout troop involved in it and have like into competition between different scout factions within local areas like someone somewhere must have a field they can do or even just like doing t-ball or, or something with them, just to try and get interest and see yeah. if you could use that like if, if you're struggling to get like a youth team set up like try and start something i don't know it's just just a, i'm just a guy with three years worth of baseball experience to, <laughs> talking out my ass yeah. and people go like yeah we've tried all this before um, but, yeah
1: I mean, we've, we've obviously done trials, well, taster sessions in, in schools before, and even the special especially sports schools. You get kids come along, they're all really interested in it, and you think, right, well, okay, this is good, you know, we're going to get some interaction with this, and it's rare. Most of the, especially if it's a dedicated sports school, they're concentrating on the sports that they are there for, and the parents are going, no, I want I want little Johnny to, to be a cricket star or a football star. Yeah. And they're not interested yeah we one one kid turned up um he started throwing and i'm like oh hang on a minute you know this this guy's 12 years old and he's throwing rockets so i walked over and said uh okay where have you played baseball before he said i'm south african he said i played loads of baseball i said oh right okay you know are you interested in playing youth baseball he said said, i can't got to do cricket and i said he's like we, we want people like that because they're amazing. Start yeah. off with, they've had all experience already. No, it's not happening. But yeah. we'll keep loving along. We'll keep getting youth, you know, we, we're doing all right. We've got quite a lot of youth at the moment. So, um, again, that breeds because obviously you've got their mates, you know, like you're saying, at yeah. school, you know. It, it, nowadays, everyone's talking to each other on phones and stuff and, you know, it spreads via Facebook and God knows what. So, yeah, yeah. look at me and my baseball gear. Look at me and my, my hat.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, whenever I, I, I take Litland to train, like he, he goes bouldering, does climbing lessons on a Tuesday. He, Ninety-nine times out of hundred, he's wearing his Manchester baseball t-shirt just to try and spark that conversation and mm-hmm. just just to let, to let people see that that sort of stuff out there as an option.
1: Yeah, it's good, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's crazy though. Like I, I don't know if it's me because I, I love the sport so much maybe it'd be different as we an outsider, but just seeing him with his little like, group of friends at baseball its completely different to his mates at school and just seeing the fun that they have out there in the baseball field, even if they're not listening or doing as they're told, that <laughs> they've got a ball in their hand and they're doing the motions. Like, he even throws his socks into the wash basket in a pitching motion. I don't know, I yeah, love seeing cool. it. It just brings like a smile to my face and I'm just like, I'm just happy that he's happy playing sport.
1: I hope he keep going, you know, yeah. It'd be one of those one of those son dad relationship with baseball that we've we've been going through for years. Yeah. Because Alan Bloomfield was the same. He added his dad was Art Bloomfield and he's played. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. Definitely. And you good self.
1: Yeah. And yeah, Steve Simmons, George Simmons. Yeah. So yeah. Marcelinos. Yeah. Well actually Oscar, um, he played for Thames sport Mills. Did he? So that's that's the yeah, it was the first English team we played for. So he lived literally up the road from the Thames Bald Mills ground. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I knew um, Bradley when he was born.
0: Ah. Yeah. Bless him. Yeah, he's had a great journey, Auntie.
1: Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, I've, I haven't spoken to Oscar for literally 20 years. Mm. I'd love to know if he's all right, actually. Yeah, I'm sure he is.
0: Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. Right, yeah. that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, Vince, it's tradition on hey, the Matt. show for the guests to get the final say. So the floor is all yours.
1: Well, yeah, obviously, all my guys at the Redbacks, um, you know, we, we're doing so well. We, we're keeping our baseball growing. Um, obviously, Steve Simmons, even though he didn't mention me, just saying. Uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> he's uh, he took over the management role for me to give me a bit of a break, which is quite nice. So obviously, being the chairman, I've got quite a bit to do with family life, etc.
0: Yeah, and to all my friends in Holland, basically, yeah, you know, I shall keep coming as, as long as I can. Right. Well, Ooh. I can't wait to see what the, the season brings. Been all the best of luck for uh, the 2023 season. I'm sure I'll I'll be uh, updated on the scores as the season progresses.
1: Yeah, and hopefully yeah. We bump, bump into each other. Hopefully,
0: find them. You never know. Hi. Yeah. I'll I'll get the Capri Suns in. Yep. And stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> Vin Vin, this is uh, this has been brilliant thank you so much for your time really appreciate it and thanks for sharing so many great stories and uh, there you go Vincent Warner all the best cheers man take care mate take care